Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. John chapter 4, verses 31. The Bible says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one unto another, hath any man brought him oat to eat or what to eat? And the Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Praise God. Somebody shout amen. Now, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, one day, one eventual day, he's um, about his father's business. And this was not quite the time he had set aside for a fasting season. Or at least if the disciples knew that the Son of God was fasting, it would be disrespectful, irresponsible, and unaccountable of them to tell the master to eat in the time when he's supposed to be fasting. This event in history did not happen when the Son of God was fasting on deliberation or that he had consecrated himself aside to go without food for a, certain, for a certain purpose. But on the contrary, Jesus Christ was living a normal day in one of those times when he was eating and should be eating. But a time came of a long span where when he was supposed to be eating, he did not eat. You understand what I'm saying? He was not eating. And so the disciples get concerned out of the sheer love and care for the master. They love him. They need him alive and they know to eat food is human. So they beseech him, master, eat. That was a very um, deliberate mind and heart for care of the master. And so he says, they tell him, I have something. Please eat something. Because probably they were concerned. They saw the man was growing weary and was not eating. This is love. And we thank God for that. Then Jesus stands to them and tells them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. That changed the narrative. He said, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Now, to show you where these people were, to show you the mind and understanding they had in this affair. The scriptures tell you, when they heard that, they said between one another, has anyone given him something to eat? Why? Because he told them, I have meat, I eat that you do not know of. The quickest conclusion was that perhaps somebody brought him something to eat. Praise God. Now, the question there, has anyone brought him something to eat, is what really provokes our mind, our thinking, to ask the ultimate question. What were they thinking? If the disciples of Jesus Christ had not asked that question, this scripture would not carry the depth of interpretation that you're going to hear today. And that is why I tell people, as biblical scholars, because when you come to Fanero, when you submit to this ministry, you become a student of the word. 
You're not just a member of a ministry, but you become a student of the word. Are you hearing me? When you become a student of the word, like I said, there are patterns that are set uh, in biblical interpretation and things that open your spirit uh, to you know, deeper revelations in the person of Jesus Christ. One of which is always take time to study scriptures that have questions around them. Because usually everywhere scripture is, there's a sort of deliberate mind by God to provoke a man's thought into deeper meditation. Praise God. Into deeper meditation. There are questions. Right? For example, when, uh, was it Nicodemus or who comes to Jesus, right? And then asks about, you know, the death, the resurrection and the issue of salvation. And Jesus asks him, he says, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Huh? That's a question. You mean to say that in the class of mastery in Israel, you don't know these things? There is something deeply fundamental in the understanding. I said, wherever in scripture you see questions as of whether a man asking another, God asking a mother or another man, or a man asking himself or men asking themselves, there's usually very deep implications of spiritual thought. So from today, learn to study questions. If Jesus simply gave the man answer, it would not still have carried the depth of revelation like we're picking now by the graces of the Spirit. When he says, at thou a master and knowest not these things, he's talking about now here, if you're a student of the word, you can study mastery and understand what it means to carry mastery. Their principles, their patterns, their temperances that are spoken of in the word that, you know, work you to mastery. He says every man that strives for mastery must be tempered in all things. Yeah? He says that we should not all desire to be masters, right? Or for knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. He's not saying that we are going to be condemned really, but when he says no, we shall receive a greater condemnation, it means when God is weighing, he's weighing us heavier. Both by God, but mostly by men. When you are a man of God, people don't think you have blood. When you're a man of God, people don't think that you breathe oxygen. When you're a man of God, people don't think that you have a body. You understand? So when you're to a place of mastery, you become a, an idol. You become a superhero. Human beings are fascinated with superheroes. And unfortunately, the, 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 the heroes of the world are fictitious. But these are the things that star the dreams of men and you know, plant the grains of hope in the spirits of people and the souls of men as they're growing up. And, you know, to dream and just to believe that out there exists a hero in life is just enough to, you know, you know give life to humanity. And that is why when we were little, we were surrounded by all kinds of superheroes, from Superman to Batman to Robin Hood to the Green Lantern to, you know, and the older ones, like the older kinds of us who were born in the 80s, we even had guys like He-Man. They're human days, you understand, who superheroes. So we, we grew up on that, and that's why our kids are, are hooked to the Marvel comics, and they want to look at, you know, these guys who are flying in the air, and people with uh, mystery stones, and turn back time, and you understand, they change universes, and, 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 and break into portals, and out, and you understand, the fascinations of people with superpowers, that's why Marvel Studio came, to marvel us with superpowers. You understand what I'm saying? But when it comes to the world and leave the fictitious world and come to the realistic world, it's even more inspiring to find heroes, to find people who are doing extraordinary things. It's a place of mastery. There are principles that are laid down for mastery, both spiritually by the world and things even in the world. For example, the world believes that if a man does something for 10,000 hours, that man has gained mastery. You understand? That's a class. I agree as a standard to the world, but not in all things. Not all things submit themselves to mastery by experience of 10,000 hours. Some people do say so because they've had other people say so whom they approve of, but they don't take time to think through these matters. But there are aspects in the human life that don't need 10,000 hours for mastery because when you get into the spaces of divine experience, um, some, some things are realizations that don't come by reason of practice. They're simply awakenings. 
in the spirit. You understand? And, and God can awaken a man's spirit and what needed 10,000 hours is activated immediately. You understand? The spirit comes on you and you're another man. That doesn't require 10,000 hours. It's just moments of the spirit. So when we get into the ideas of space, time, and matter, some of those things change. But that's for the world. And in some instances, it is true, but not in all instances. So there are principles and patterns that explain mastery. So if you're studying John from that idea, because if you're not striving to be a master in where you are, then you're in the wrong faith. Christianity bats mastery. Whether you're talking about the preacher on the pulpit, whether you're talking about the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, the pastor, whether you're talking about the business person, Christian, whether you're talking about the career, the doctor, the engineer, the lawyer, the accountant, it doesn't matter what you have in this world to do. Push yourself to the place of mastery because the world is for masters. The world is for men who have mastered certain things. Praise God. That world becomes easy for you. When you enter the space of mastery, you're going to realize that there are things that you'll never look for. They'll always stick themselves on you like a magnet. Praise God. Uh, kings attract. Hallelujah. You know, it happens. So may God quicken you to this understanding. And I pray by God I may have the grace to share more. But this began on a fundamental question. At thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things because we expect that at the space of mastery, even though you are indifferent to the new move, there's still turns, there's still lines and grains within the space of mastery that would help you pick another mastery. There's things that 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 that, that, that undergird the foundation of mastery that expect you to know and respond to certain things a certain way. And he's shocked that these folk are so indifferent to this. He's trying to tell you, look, the way the world looks at mastery is not the way we look at mastery. The mastery that is received from the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ cannot be compared to any career, to any profession, to any wisdom, to any line of understanding and thought, if it be for the world. That's all hypothetical, cannot be compared to the things that we receive in Christ. That's why the Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Where men end in wisdom, the wisdom of God begins, you understand? And, and so I thank God that through Christ, we carry that wisdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. But the place of mastery is a place of activating and allowing that to work through, but it began with a question. And I tell people, for many years, if you are close to me, you realize that I love ministering to people through asking questions. You, I'm not somebody who will always, if you've been with me for a long time, I don't confirm my idea and impose my opinion on an individual when we're having a conversation. Sometimes I want to get in the heart of this person and ask questions. If you do this, why do you think this is leading? Okay, if you see this this way, what do you think? You understand? Because I don't want to be in a space also of making error and I don't know. I also want to learn. You understand? So I create an atmosphere for us to both learn. Even when I know sometimes the end of a conversation, I'll prefer to ask open-ended questions because I want somebody to think through the issue while we agree, not just agree with an issue because of authority over them or because I can speak or they can speak, but that every, at every point of agreement, a certain lesson is learned. You're following what I'm saying? And that becomes more fundamental when you're a parent and you're trying to raise children. Children, as they're growing up, for those of you parents who are having children or plan to have children, you realize that these kids are born already with a certain mindset. You get it? What makes them children is the way they think. What makes them babes is the way they respond to things, right? Because their minds have not judged outside a certain spectrum of human thought. You understand? And sometimes to provoke their minds into thinking the rational way and the divinely assertive understanding, you have to provoke them sometimes by question to see where the kid is thinking from and to get into their world to understand them. You understand? Because what parents do, and sadly, uh, back in the day, now it has changed and it's changing every other day, but back in the day, African culture never allowed children to express feelings or even share from the mind and to provoke them to think. African cultures just used to, a child comes with a feeling and thought, 
and a parent comes with a feeling and thought and imposes his feeling and thought and hushes the kid. You understand? In the time when the kid is expressing thought and feeling. You get it? When we're growing up, you saw those things, or you've seen it in African culture. The kid says, hey, 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 hey. You get it? You get it? A parent should be able to say, but honestly, why are you crying? Or you might say, no, this is not the age that understands. No. Psychologists tell you that the brain of a child grows, they've studied brains of children, and they realize that the brains of children whose parents talked to them before they understood anything developed way faster than parents who talk to their children when they are grown. So you don't talk to your child because they've started understanding. You talk to your child the day they enter the womb. You start conversating, right? You start talking to them. Now, as they're growing up, you might find a baby, this baby is two, three months, talk to your child like you're talking to an adult. Psychologists have now proved that when you talk to a child that way, their brain grows quicker. Some say, ah, yeah, this is a child, what does this child understand? Do you know the things we remember as children and our parents don't know we know them? And you see, they sit in a conversation and start talking stuff you shouldn't hear and they think you're not hearing. I surprise my mother sometimes. You get it? Because the human brain is amazing in what it can store. You following what I'm saying? So it's important to, yes, she's crying, but why? Why do you cry like this? Eh? Okay, carry, keep, but, but why? You understand? You're provoking her to think. As the brain is forming, right, it will start rationalizing to think, okay, by the way, why am I crying? You understand? Instead of, eh? Let me not cry. You understand what I'm saying? That does not answer why. So, a child grows up in the mind of responding to do your will, but they're indifferent to reason. So as they grow up, they're doing something because daddy said, or they're doing something because mommy said, but they don't actually think. You get it? Sometimes when kids express feelings, you have to get to their level, understand them, communicate, ask questions, let them answer, find ways of not giving them whatever they want when they want it, but in a place of reasoning and comfort and talk. Because at one point, you will need them to be able to express their heart and feeling when calamity is there. That is why as a pastor, I have counseled many girls who are abused sexually when they were little and their parents don't know. Many girls who were abused when they were little, I have spoken to many of them in my office, and many of them, their parents will never know the uncle that abused her, the cousin that abused her. You understand? There's a young lady I know, she told me that her father used to bring visitors in her home, and she said more than 13 relatives slept with her by the time she was 13 years old. And I was the first person to know. Her mother never knew it. Her father never knew it. Her world was shattered. She grew up and failed to even settle down because she had a wrong understanding of men. Why? Because at the point when she was supposed to be heard, they hushed and killed that person. Now, when a child can't express their feelings, can't express their mind on something, you understand? I mean that they should be disrespectful. You can teach them to speak humbly, to share their heart in humility, but don't charge your children every time they're talking. Listen to them. Create a, a space where you allow them to think and express their emotion. If they're disrespectful, deal with the disrespect, but never cut the voice of your child. You understand? Now this, I was the first person to know that more than 13 men used one girl in the same house, and all of these were relatives and father's friends. Can you believe it? It happened. You get it? Now, the part of her brain that would think to share was killed because of how the parents responded to her. You get it? So that's a very middle line when you're dealing with parenthood. You get it? But sometimes you have to provoke their minds to thinking. I have a nephew, he visited me sometime. And 
this guy is a discoverer. You get it? And by the way, if you're a parent and you have a son who is not a discoverer, pray for your son. Because science has proved that boys who explore have, usually when they grow up, they are very creative people. You understand? They find what to do. And when we're children, and boys know this, boys know this, at one particular point, they must have beaten you for unscrewing something. Ah, put up your hands. At one particular point, either you found a flat iron and you asked yourself how the heat goes in, you unscrew it with the hope that you'll know how to screw it back, then as you try to put it back, the metal refuses. You put it there. <laughs> then they ask, uh-huh. Who did this to the flat iron? Then, because a boy doesn't look at this and looks at its function. No, a boy wants to know, how is it lit? How was it made? Is there something in there broken or nothing is broken? This is a charger. What happens if I put another thing in there? Can it charge or can't it charge? That, that's, that's a boy's brain. That's a boy's brain. You understand what I'm saying? That's a now in African culture. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You get my point? But a boy's brain is like that. You will. Every boy is like that. And that's just what I said. If you're a boy and you never did that stuff, you need prayers. You need that. You know those very good boys who are always bathing very early, sitting in front of TV putting Vaseline on their faces. They don't play. These chaps are strange, eh? Have you noticed it? You understand? Now the boy is just there. He's good. He has never messed up. Everything is good. Nothing. They enter. He's a good boy. No. No. Boys explore. That's the reality. Boys explore. So this guy, he entered my house and it looked like an exploration quest. Everything was to be explored. In that period, if I tell you the things that were explored during that week, I had to sit back with the mother and we laughed so hard because things were stuck. I found new tags on my switch. I asked myself, where is this tag from? I remember it was gotten from the guy's bag. As in, he got something from the bag, put it on my switch. As in, I saw things that day. But what I'll never forget most was, <laughs> I was in the bedroom sleeping. Chap wakes up, goes on the gadgets, starts ta 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 Messes up everything electronic. Things twisted, everything he messed up the TV, what decoders, what stations, what he messed up everything. Then he comes to my bedroom. <laughs> Uncle Grace, I want to talk to you. He said, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 come in. He said, Is something wrong with the TV? I don't know, it's doing things. I said, no, it's a TV doing things. No, it's just doing things. It's just doing things, I don't understand them. I knew the chap had messed up my TV. So I come in the living room, true to form, things had been. But I thank God that I understand kids. Even me, if I was his age, about Uganda, I would have done exactly the same. So I saw myself in the chap because this was a young man, what? Exploring. I loved that he was exploring because if a boy doesn't explore, you see? Now, I needed to get into his mind, but I could not get into his mind and tell him you have done it. No, I need to first ask him fundamental questions. What were you looking for? Let's start asking, huh? What were you looking for? Okay, so when you looked here, what happened? We, start, we went through a whole mind. Eh? 
And what seemed like was destructive was so beautiful for me because for, for the first time I was seeing that the guy's brain is developing into certain consciousness when he's dealing with electronics. His mind was trying to create something but he couldn't find the shortcut to it. You get it? It was so beautiful. But I could have killed that brain. You get it? But I went into him to explain, okay, now next time, eh, when you get stuck like this, call me. <laughs> eh? Don't stop exploring. Eh? But when you reach in the middle of exploration and you get stuck, call me such that we sit down and then we think through a way. But what happens to us parents, we kill that. You get it? And then you, we raise boys who are not creative. Guy okay, can die, and the guy says, My guy is dead. You understand? <laughs> Man! <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? No. When you're a man, at least there are basic things you must know about a car. Isn't it? Yeah. At least you know that this is where the water goes, this is the radiator, this is the battery, this is this, this is that. If it does this, it's doing this. At least try to tweak a bit and say, okay, if I can do this and that and that and that, hey, the car can move. You understand? Eh? Try to reason out at least. So that by the time you call a mechanic, something has, you've spoiled a few things. You understand? It's okay to spoil. You understand? And just be there and just watch the car like this. No, no. There's a price in destruction, right? But there's a greater price in not destroying. When, when you just want to keep the sanctity of something, but without the mind that is triggered to learn. So sometimes questions are good, even when you're dealing with your children, to walk with them through something, to get to their level of understanding. If you know that the person will make mistakes and destroy, find ways of helping them not destroy, but push them to the place of creativity. Don't kill it. Don't kill it. You understand what I'm saying? Don't kill it. So, questions are key, not only for when you're dealing with children, but even with individuals, because these things help us think deeply. You know, one of the biggest challenges of humanity, and sadly, many times the church is not teaching and should ought to teach, we must teach people to think. We must teach people to meditate, because there are things that are in the thinking realm, there are things that are in the meditation realm, they're not in the prayer, realm, they're not in the fasting realm. They will never be in prayer. You can pray yourself to death until sometimes you learn to also be a bit practical and think and meditate. The Bible says, as Isaac went out in the evening to meditate, meditation is a godly thing. This is something I almost practice every day of my life, sometimes for one, two, three, or four hours, but I take time to meditate because every time you open your spirit to meditation, you open your heart to the voice of God. Every time you open your spirit to meditation, I repeat that, you open your heart to God, to the voice of God. You remember Peter, when the, when the, the, the four whatever animals came through, uh, and God tells him in the time when he sees that vision, the Bible says when he thought on the vision, the spirit said. Do you hear that? When he thought on the vision, the spirit said. You see that the spirit is speaking when a man takes time to what? To meditate, to think. That means meditation is a place of opening your heart to hear God. But do you know there are many Christians who don't meditate at all? Create some alone time. Every day of your life, even if it's 10 minutes, and just say, now this is me. Me time. Think. Meditate on my issue. You'll be amazed the things God will speak to you when you learn to meditate every day. There are results with men who have mastered this art. And it's an art to master. It's not just an occasion to put in your time. Let me meditate. No, it is something you have to learn to do deliberately. You sit in your chair. You sit alone. Sometimes for me, the best times are before I go to bed, before I sleep. I, I love to separate myself and just sit alone and think. Even if it's 10, 20 minutes or 15 or 30 or one hour. But I want to take time and just meditate. It's amazing when your heart and mind are open to thinking. God will speak to you about many things. And many times, many of these thoughts are provoked by scripture. But sometimes I just want to think about life. I just want to think about life. Like recently, I was thinking about what poverty has done to people. What it means to be a nation under the principality of poverty. And I started to study individuals in my heart 
I thought about people over the years and I've seen what money has done and can do to people. Just a thought to go into. It was so amazing the things the Spirit of God started to speak to me about individuals and things, but it all began with a place and space for meditation. Learn to sit alone and meditate. You get it? Meditation time is not two, three people. No, don't be deceived. You can't meditate with your child or your spouse. No, this is you alone. You get my point? This is you to think, to meditate alone. David spoke about that meditation. He used to meditate on the Lord day and night. And the Bible says he would meditate on the precepts of God at night. And as the man of wisdom thinks and is meditating, God would speak to his heart. A man who has not had meditated in the word and the things of the spirit, it's very hard to hear the voice of God. Even in the matters you feel concerned, as you meditate, the voice starts to speak clearly and clearly. Somebody shout hallelujah. That one you can pay me if you want. If you don't want, it's okay. But I've given you medicine. Hallelujah. So, let us meditate and think with me for a moment. These men are thinking. They're saying, who gave him food? But that takes us to where they are at and how they think. You understand? And so, today I want to teach by posing a very fundamental question to you. What is fulfillment to you? When we talk about fulfillment, what comes to you? When we talk about the heart that is fulfilled, what comes to you? When we talk about the thing that takes you to bed smiling, the thing that you wake up for, the thing that excites your whole being, what is that? What is that thing that gives you joy? What is that thing that really fulfills? Now I'm saying, notwithstanding that you can give me a politically correct answer, to, to love God, to do the will of God. But you see, you can be as political and smart on you as you want, but let's go beyond smart and political. This is not a question I'm asking you to answer me. This is a question I feel by the Spirit of God he's asking you. What is your really satisfaction and fulfillment in this life? Do you know there are people who can even tell you, I honestly don't know. And if you're that kind of person and you're here, I want you to know it's okay. I understand and God does. Okay? But then there are also people who say, me, my satisfaction comes when I go out to work and I come back with money. And I have seen what money can do to people. And I've seen the absentia of money. Why? Because probably you're raised in a family that is poor. And because you're raised in a poor family, right, your fulfillment is in getting money. When you get money, you feel fulfilled. Because you probably were raised in a poor family. Or a family that was probably middle income, not up there. You understand? Some of us had the opportunity to go in very great schools. You understand? Like the cream de la cream, you sit in kids' conversations of rich families and you're like, oh, what should I talk about? <laughs> Who has understood what I just said? Eh? Kids have conversations like upstairs. No, for us, upstairs was two steps. <laughs> Hey, but I was with my smile in my room upstairs. Then I came downstairs to eat. I'm like stairs. They have small conversations of upstairs. My, my auntie from the UK sent me this, and then my uncle sent me a shoe. And then this guy walks around school with a shoe, and everyone's like, You understand it? For us, the aunties in the UK, you don't even know them, but they are there. You get my point, eh? Conversations, very interesting conversations of my mother bought me this. My, when my mom went to the UK, she brought me this. One time we had a young guy who they bought a watch, eh? Oh, my God. The whole school was following the guy around like this. You understand? Because he had a watch, it could illuminate, it could do what? And I remember in primary three, my father told me, if you perform well, what do you want me to buy for you? I read. 
I reigned. Are you hearing me? And Bambi, the man of God, when I performed, the man of God went, bought me a very nice watch. Oh, my God. Every time I would look at it, and you know what fascinated young men? Illumination, what? Date, time, calendar. You enter there, and then you press with it. It even has an alarm. Wow. You understand? Praise God. Good old days. Hallelujah. When you want to know the sincerity of a child, you look at the things that fulfill them. They define too much. You get it? And then the era of video games came. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. The poorer class had brick game. That one, you can even play it on a candle. Right? Then the richer generation had Nintendo. Oh, with cartridges. Was it cartridges or something? Eh? You bite batteries until your teeth hurt. Are you hearing me? You own a video game and your parents don't even know you have one. You hide it like a drug in a bag. You understand? You sit on that thing at night. You lock yourself up or you borrow one from your friend. You lock up the room like you're going to sleep. You play the chi thing. Eh? By the time you get on the time, it's 4 a.m. And you're like, what? Because that was what? Satisfaction. Sega Mega came in. Yeah? You remember those days? Then the racing cars came through. No need for speed. What? They're very old, old things. Then uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Louis Kang and Sub-Zero. They oh, you know. But why am I trying to go back into our childhood memories? Because our childhood showed us the power of being fascinated and fulfilled. Huh? When I was 13, I remember we're in the village. I always loved cars, still do love cars. For me, cars are my thing. And I remember the time I went to my father and I said, Daddy, I want to drive a car. And then he got this driver. During that time, we had uh, Matatus, right? You know those taxis, Kamunye, the original. Those ones which had gears, which, which were on the side. You remember those gears? Yeah, those old things. Matatus, huge car. And I remember my age 13, and he said, no, drive this. allow these guys to drive around. The first day I sat in that thing. And it was like one or two hours to lunchtime. I didn't want to eat lunch. I didn't want to eat lunch. I drove the thing, drove around, took us like one and a half, come into two hours. Lunchtime came, I didn't even want to come out of the car. Banange. This was fascination. But I remembered that a man can love something to a place where he can even forget that he has to eat. I saw it the first time I drove a car. And some of you, I think you can share the same experience the first time you sat in a car. You drove the car the whole day. They tell you, oh, you have not eaten. You just remember you have not eaten. But the joy that you're moving this machine. Eee, come on, help me. You understand? Yeah. You, you, it's just so fascinating. And then I saw how it's easy for a man to even forget food. And God tells you, translate that into the Christ. That is exactly what happened to him when he was dealing with the will of the Father. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Your heart is also. There was a fascination on the, child, on the son of God when it came to the issue of the kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. In fact, he says in Luke chapter 4, verses 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. It was not I could, I may, I shall, I will if I have time. No, he says I must preach the kingdom of God. I must preach it was a must. Necessity was laid on him. But you see, the difference between the Christ and, and what we're dealing with today, for him it was not just duty and obligation. There was a passion in the duty and there was a passion in the obligation. It was not just fulfilling a requirement of the Father. There was a passion in the requirement. And you see the Son of God so engulfed in the Father's business that he found himself many times running without meals. That is not something they can teach you to do. That is only something the Spirit of God can stir in your heart to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. That is why recently as we've been now visiting the line of 
separating the anointing on the gift and the anointing on wisdom, we're starting to realize that many of the things we call the spirit in the Pentecostal movement are not the Holy Spirit. You understand? The, the anointing on the gift versus the anointing on wisdom. You understand? Because he that findeth wisdom finds life and gains favor before man and God. But this life we're talking about must come by the wisdom that is given by the Spirit. Because many times today we're celebrating the anointing on the gifts, but not the anointing on wisdom. And, and now the church is losing a certain character by the Spirit. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But then we're starting to ask ourselves, when Paul says, what did he mean when he says, if you receive another spirit than the one that was given? Because we can say somebody's full of the Holy Spirit. But what does Acts 1.8 says? He says, and you <clears throat> shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Full colon means what's coming next explains the, if, is the effect of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. And he says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Somebody shout amen. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the animal parts of the world. Every believer in the, in the gospel, in the church of Jesus Christ, if you believe that you received the Holy Spirit when you became born again, witnessing should not be a duty only. It should not be an obligation. It should be a passion that hits your spirit to a space of even forgetting daily meat because it becomes your meat. Like you need food to live. This becomes the necessity you need to exist in the physical realm. How can you walk the streets and not talk about Jesus? How can you be born again and not talk about what he has done for you? If indeed he has been good to you. How can you be an experience of, how can you have an experience of this person of the Holy Spirit and you cannot share this to another person? How do you sit at work and not tell people about this Jesus? I tend to disagree with people who say, I went to my workplace, I refused to tell them I'm born again. I said, let me do it, my, my actions. No, 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 listen, 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 listen. That stuff does not exist. With the mouth, confession is made to what? Salvation. The people you work with must know that you're in this realm. Some of you, you're just ashamed and you're using it as an excuse. No. When you get to people, tell them, I, the first day you get your job, you tell them, my name is Sam and I love Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and to the Gentile. If you have not seen the power, you cannot be proud. I remember the first olden days when we, just under, we were starting to understand salvation. You hold the Bible and your friends fight you, you do it like this, you understand? Because you don't even want them to realize you're holding the book. Oh God. But when the experience came, Oh my goodness. I even go to places where as I'm speaking to people, I hold it like this because I want them to ask, ask me, ask me, ask me. The Bible says, be ready to give an answer if anybody asks you concerning your faith. That's apologia. The power of the apologist. Be ready to give reason for your faith. Reason for your faith. Reason for your faith. Are you hearing me? And it's about time we became proud to be Christians. It's about time you became proud to identify with a name that is above every name. That at the sound of that name, every knee bows. Of the things in the earth, in on the earth and in heaven, and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Be about your Father's business. I know that you have a workplace, but even at your workplace, make a target. Tell yourself, God, I claim all this to the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Praise God. If you're a very shy person, begin by creating a group of devotionals. Put all the people, naysayers, haters, lovers, and all those kinds of, every morning in the moment you receive that devotional, throw it there. Let them abuse, do whatever, throw it there. Are you hearing me? Because for you, you're about your father's what? Business. Wherever you are, that workplace, you're representing God. You sit in a flight, hello, how are you? My name is Grace Lumega, and I'm a lover of Jesus. Are you a Christian? I don't know, don't tell me about that nonsense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. But you see, I, they have to know. You understand what I'm saying? Everywhere you are, you must be proud to be born again. You must smell on yourself and say, Woo! Born by the Holy Ghost. Anointed by Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. He's resident in the inside of me. Are you hearing me? He's done great things for me. Praise God. 
We have to be a soul winning church. We have to be a soul loving church. Wherever you meet someone and they don't know Jesus, you demonstrate your love. But they have to see Jesus. They have to see the person of God in you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God and to salvation. Why? If somebody did not love you enough, you'd not be here. Somebody drew you. Somebody drew you. Somebody stood on a crusade ground. Somebody sacrificed their hours. Somebody set aside time. And God has allowed me to preach the gospel through people like you. Who go in the villages. Some of you are on the streets recently. Some of you are going in your workplaces. Some of you have started fellowships in your workplaces. Some of you are bringing people to service. You're going in there. You're saying, you see, I may not be able to do it like apostle does it. But I have the grace to draw you. Are you hearing me? And another one says, no, but I feel I have an anointing. They lay hands on the street. They cast out devils. That is what makes us this kind of ministry. We love God a certain way. Somebody shout amen. Yes. He told Timothy, the things you've learned, if indeed God has spoken to you in a ministry, commit them to other men. The true spirit that proves that you have learned of God is because you will teach to teach others also. You will seek to give this to others also. You not being a witness to Jesus means you have learned nothing. You have learned nothing. When you learn something, listen to a sermon, call another friend and tell him, man, I was meditating on something. For me, it's okay to borrow my sermons. You understand? For me, it's very okay to use mine. Uh-uh, use it. You can even use it for your answer. I was meditating on something like it was your original idea. You're a son in the ministry. Don't worry. What's your father's is yours. Praise God. Call someone and tell him I was meditating on this. I was thinking about this mystery. What do you think? Indulge people. Discuss the things of God. Teach somebody. Every time you go to bed, carry the satisfaction I told a man about the things of the spirit. Receive to give. That's why as soon as I'm going to teach about the blessing of Abraham. Yeah, partners, we must understand what it means to be blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. There's a reason why I know what I know. But you are in this ministry and you spend a whole year, two months, three months, and you've not talked about Jesus? And what he has done for you? Oh God. You've not won a soul? How is that even possible? Somebody shout amen. Shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor it's not possible. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not possible. You must be witnesses. Recently something emotional happened to me. And I'm going to share it with you. Recently something emotional happened to me and I'm going to share it with you. And recently when we went for street preaching... I was at Nakawa in the market, walked through the market, preached the gospel on the streets, Ginger Road. And then somebody sent me a video of my mother preaching. And my mother was preaching and preaching and preaching. And then somebody sent me a video of my niece on the streets preaching. I went down on my knees. I said, God, Three generations of my family are serving God on the streets. Three? Oh, the way you've clapped, you didn't understand this. My mother was on the streets. Her sons were on the streets. Her grandchildren were on the streets. Wow. Wow. I remember telling one person and I said, heaven is so happy with my household. My family has seen salvation. May it happen to you in the mighty name of Jesus. In your lifetime, may you see three generations serving God in the name of Jesus. If you can't have it with your parents, may you see it in your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. May one day you stand on the streets with your children and your children's children and all of you are proclaiming a name that is above every name 
I know how it's going to be in heaven. I'm excited what we're going to look like in heaven. And I thank God that heaven has the history that the household of Paulo Matovu and his children and his children's children are servants of the Lord. That is the Lord's doing. And there is nothing as beautiful as that. Somebody give the Lord a mighty, 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 mighty hand clap for God. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. Now our nieces know and nephews, our children in the family know that we are lovers of God and we are servants of the Most High. We did not tell them to serve, no. They're the ones who wake up and tell their mothers, Mommy, I want to go on the streets too. Why? Because our God has revealed himself to our children. What a mystery. That means my grandchildren, the way we serve God, it will be enough for them to say, I want the God of my mother. I want the God of my father. That is how we write history. I'm looking at the end of my life and we are carrying the sheets and men are putting us in the casket in our old age and they are saying Grace Lubega was a man like no other. He was a substance like we have never seen in the history of the world. To God be the glory. My family knows that I'm a servant of God. My children know that I'm a servant of God. Everybody who much me knows that I represent the good news. And it has not started now when things were comfortable. We were on those, on those border borders in the nights. You sit on a border border at night. You travel on border borders for six hours. You preach the gospel. You up to 4 a.m. or 5. Get a border border back home to bathe. And then the next morning you're at work. You're doing work. You've slept for two hours. In the afternoon you're preaching. In the night you're preaching. You go back home. You speak for another two hours. On Sunday morning you're preaching. Sunday evening you're doing a conference. Monday morning you're at work. And we did that until a time when our family did not understand us. My mom started asking me, where do you be? My father started asking me, but where are you? You don't come. You don't. No. But there was something in there. Are you hearing me? There was something in there. And I don't know how I would hold back from the God that I'd seen and the God that I'd experienced. We sat on flights. We walked countless kilometers at night. Late in the night, one time we walked for six, seven kilometers. We could not find cars in the thickest forests of Mukono there. You understand? Why? Because we were preaching the gospel and nothing was being taken off. Are you hearing me? That joy. Why? Because in all of those things, whether you spent all your money and walked back home, the satisfaction was that I have found the fulfillment to do the will of my father and to finish it. We are not losing weight because we don't have food and money. Don't be mistaken. But we are about our father's business. There's a way we can't have a certain body. You understand? Because there is a need for the gospel. And for as long as you know me. If you've known me for five years, if you've known me for two years, if you've known me for three years, if you've known me for four years, I have always been available on that field. God knows that. If I was never available for you on a Sunday, I was on a flight to go and be available for other men. But the world knows that Grace Lubega is available for the gospel. That's it. And in this world, there is no satisfaction that I have. Neither do I have the words to express for the gratitude that I have toward God that he chose me to serve him. That's the most fulfilling most beautiful thing I have ever seen in my life. I love who I am. I'm a very happy man. And my happiness, when I take two, three, four days and I've not spoken about God, I feel like my body is sick, my soul is rotting, and my spirit. That's why I told you some of us, if we stopped preaching, we would die. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is not supposed to be only with the man of God only in the pulpit. No, this is supposed to be with every man that professes the name of Jesus Christ. You might never have the opportunity to stand on the pulpit. That's okay. But be a lover of God and a preacher of the kingdom. You might never stand, be on the, on the cameras like some of us have. And you don't need to be on the camera to be effective. No. When I was a banker, I want my bankers. Are you hearing me? Namata, who is CFO, she was a banker. The caterers were bankers. The front office guys, none of them doubts my God. And they've all been to Fanero. Why? Because when I was there, I was a man on a mission. 
We must love people. We must love winning souls. Everybody in this ministry must be a soul winner. Everybody. Everybody. I don't care how bad it is, how special you are, how rich, how beautiful, how tall, how short. That did not add on you. But like I said, this thing hit me in university and I never knew how not to preach the gospel anymore because it was never the office. It was the conviction, the zeal of my father's house has always burned in me. I love God. I love God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I love God. I love God. That's why I tell people, be a builder of the kingdom. You're going to make monies and millions of monies and dollars and pounds and billions of pounds, but be a builder of the kingdom. Never, ever, ever leave a day of your life without finding someone to share this testimony with but also never set yourself against anybody or anything that preaches the gospel never 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 hang around the wise you need do you know that you can sit next to a person who can destroy your destiny by a conversation. Some of you don't even carry wisdom to know who should be your friend and who shouldn't. Not everybody in the church here is for us. You have to know that. There's probably a news reporter here who has come to pick an article. He's welcome. You understand what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to tell you here is may God provoke our hearts to know why we are in the ministry. Why we serve God the way we serve Him. Why we do the things we do to the glory of God. The spirit in this ministry, I have not seen anywhere. People here serve God. How many trying to tell you, let us even serve Him even more? Because the end of our lives, honestly, it has nothing to do with, that's why I said, study for God. When you're in student in school, university, study for God. When you're doing work, work for God. When you get married, marry for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Leave everything for God. God must be the end of your equation. Right? Because God's heart is souls. That's why the song says, God loves people more than anything. You know that song? God loves people more than anything, more than anything he wants them to know. He'd rather die than let them go. Cause God loves people more than anything. That's why your life, to change a life. Praise God. You know, Many of you worry of your bank accounts, but you don't worry of your account in heaven. When you look back, how many people have you touched and changed? That's the account you should be building every day. Every day. You add on your account, man, I'm a rich guy. Look at this. I'm a rich man. You understand? TBN men are watching. I'm a rich man. Faith World TV is watching. India is watching. Live streams are moving across the world. Devotionals are being sent. I'm a rich man. Some people define wealth differently. They think wealth is having money. Money, paper, idea. Oh, wealth, money. No. Paul says, for ye are my reward in Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because you're all a seal of my apostleship. There is grace on my life that has extended on you to the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now do your part too. We have to win souls. We have to love God. We have to love men. I want you to just open your mouth and talk to God. Tell him, God, stir in me that thing that the man was saying. You don't need to have a name for it, but I know you've understood it. Come on, speak to God.
perfect to God. Me and my 
something is sealed tonight that will not only affect us but will affect the rest of the generations to come we claim our children from the first to the last we claim our grandchildren from the first to the last we claim a thousand generations if you're not yet back from the first to the last we commit our seed to the service of your great kingdom we honor you God because we are servants we are born servants and we love it in the mighty name of Jesus Father we thank you give the Lord a mantle of praise give the Lord a mantle of praise give the Lord a mantle of praise Praise God, hallelujah. Now if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. Okay, repeat these words after me. Say these words. Just say them. Say Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me. Today, my heart receives you. My mouth confesses you as Lord and Savior in my life. Tonight, my life is changed. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.